Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. I got to tell you, we are getting some of the strangest political commercials in this silly season I've ever heard. Uh, the commercial you just heard, depending upon which platform you're listening on, you know, for uh, one of the Senate candidates, uh, the statement by Mr. Big Voice in there, and he loves the Second Amendment. As if that's supposed to be something bad or wrong. I mean, we should all love the Second Amendment. This is why we're here. This is why we're free. Wow. I just, woo. What, what people are saying in ads just blow my mind. And in a lot of these oppo ads against the Republican in whatever race, the, the Democratic ad actually reinforces why you should vote for the Republican, and I don't even think they recognize that. You know, I mean, things are just that stupid now. I hope you are able to tag into the ballot show we did yesterday with Michael Germanuel Jr. If not, kmjnow.com, the podcast, there it is. I hope you are able to get something out of that. Um, a lot of you asked about Proposition 1 when it was over, and we didn't talk about it because I'm not sure how either one of us are going to be voting. And I wanted to bring you a pro and a con show before the, the actual election. I still may. I'm working on that. But, you know, my opinion, you know, it's another bond measure. And in the state of California, with our indebtedness of over $78 billion right now, I'm very worried about bond measures in the future. It's just more of the same. We just keep loading up with bonded indebtedness over and over and over again. You know, a lot of the television advertising couches this as a veterans issue, but it's really not. If you, if you read the actual ballot, uh, it's 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 overall homeless, uh, including illegal aliens. They have first grab at that money to put a roof over their head. Uh, I don't know where the veterans figure into this in terms of priority, but it's just you know we're 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 uh, one of those states that just welcomes them all. You know what I mean? And because of that, we're having to do things like this to find out some place where to locate some place where we can accommodate those that are ostensibly mentally ill. I'll go into it down the road. Believe me, we're not done with that one. We, yeah, I'm just beginning to scratch the surface on it. So, moving right along, the minimum wage in the fast food industry is going to be going up to twenty bucks an hour soon. And there's an interesting little scenario here, some caveats in this Gavin Newsom masterpiece that seem to be upsetting or calling attention from political, uh, certain political, excuse me, particular entities that um, may not be impacted by this $20 an hour wage thing. Specifically, those agencies, those companies that make bread and sell bread as a standalone product. Now, there aren't many of those restaurants that fit that kind of description, but they're not going to be impacted by this $20 an hour minimum wage. So in this particular case, we're talking about a place called Panera. And the guy that runs Panera, big company, is very close to Gavin Newsom. And he was able to give Gavin $100,000 during the recall, 64000 during his uh, re-election campaign. Now, does Panera... Want to pay 20 bucks an hour to their employees? Or are they happy that they're not paying 20 bucks an hour to their employees? It's just a because of the wording of the, the law, there's a little bit of a thing here that we need to examine, and we will. Because it's kind of confusing, you know? 
Trump wins big in Michigan, big, bringing him one big step closer to securing the Republican nomination. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he believes he, he needs um, 1,215 delegates to formally secure the, the, the nomination. The Michigan vote, as far as Joe Biden goes, was a great test of the anger over Biden's Israel policy. Uh, the last time around in 2020, Biden narrowly defeated Donald Trump in the state of Michigan. And there's a protest vote tied to the events in Gaza that's a real concern for the White House. And, you know, the primary's coming up here very, very soon. I mean, overall, we're on the way to the general election after their primary yesterday. I got a little confused for a second. Sorry. So the, the, the point is, the state has the largest Arab-American population in the U.S., and the leaders of this community have asked people to vote uncommitted on their ballot. And, and how will that affect it, the outcome in November? That's the $64 question. So there. <laughs> Even confused myself for a moment. Moving right along. Um, remember the tennis shoes that Donald Trump just threw out the other day? The golden high tops, right? Now, that was in the plan for a long time. This was not a knee-jerk reaction to the big fines he may be forced to pay in New York, although some people think it is. You're, you're fined $355 million, and then two days later, you're hawking golden tennis shoes. You know that this was in the works well before that. There are those in the editorial world who feel the release of the golden sneakers on behalf of Donald Trump shows how badly out of touch he is with reality. And the opinion of the left media, they seem to believe that this these sneakers were put out there to secure the black vote. And the media portrays it as something that the conservative supporters of Donald Trump are saying. we got these golden sneakers out there and African-American voters are going to vote for us because of it. That's insane. I mean, that's just crazy. Black people, white people, I mean, it's a matter of personal taste whether you like the golden sneakers or not. And I don't think that's going to change anybody's vote. But all of a sudden, this has become a big bone of contention. You know, and and the left is putting words in the right's mouth that isn't there, of course. You know, the uh, Terrence Bradley down in Georgia testifying. No personal knowledge about the relationship between the D.A. Fannie Willis and the prosecutor, Nathan Wade. During the first pass uh, with the congressional public hearing, he really didn't say anything. And then he was yanked and told to perform behind closed doors and put out there again in public testimony where he really didn't say anything. One of the questions, have you ever lied to protect friends? Uh, no, no, I, I haven't. Well, yes, I have. Leaving a big question mark over the $64 question of how aware was he, is he, of this relationship between the two and how is it affecting that particular racketeering case against Donald Trump? You know, because the two of them got together, this has basically put the brakes on that case anyway. But, you know, there, there's more to it in terms of, their relationship, how deep it is, when did it begin, how's it affecting this particular case, how was the money spent? Yeah. And there's a lot of noise about Joe Biden and the Seth Meyers interview while eating ice cream. A lot of people in the industry of mental illness and disease, those who are researchers of Alzheimer's and dementia and those other terrible things that happen to the, the human brain, they say that eating ice cream is a big sign of the early onset stages of these diseases. And there's a reason why. It has to do with that first taste of ice cream is very fulfilling. It's, it's, very, it's like a big Band-Aid 
put over everything that that individual cannot deal with because of their lack of mental acuity. And yeah, I know. It sounds very weird. These are all fully credentialed PhDs. They've got advanced studies on the people in the early stages of these diseases and their relationship to ice cream. And during that Seth Meyers interview, I mean, the man was just gobbling down ice cream like it was the end of the world. And the interview itself was highly scripted. Okay? The White House put the script together with Seth Meyers' writer. It was highly scripted, if you saw it. And as soon as the president went off script, he made a mistake. He made a mistake. After Seth Meyers says, well, what is the plans for the year 2024? What are you doing? All of a sudden, he ricochets back to 2020, mentions that it's 2020, and talks about the plans from 2020. In the same ice cream eating episode. Wow. Um, it's, it's this guy, I'm beginning, like I said, I'm beginning to feel sorry for him. The 25th Amendment is that weapon that can be used to get rid of the president because he's derelict in duty because of his mental situation. It can be used to get rid of the vice president just because she's derelict in duty, period. Right? It's been brought forth formally by Ken Buck out of Colorado. But he's calling on Kamala Harris, the vice president, to invoke the 25th Amendment. What do you think the chances of that are? I mean, I think the moon will fall out of the sky before that happens. There's no chance of that happening. I mean, especially if you're looking for the vice president to trigger this device that can put Joe Biden out to pasture. Uh, Here in California, we discussed yesterday with Michael DeManuel Jr. the possibility of a low voter turnout. And here we are with all the information today and research today about a low voter turnout in the state of California. Uh, You know, I don't know what it's going to take to get Californians out there. This bothers me every time we have a major election. But that's exactly the call from Sacramento and their early analysis of what's going to be happening on our election day on March the 5th. Sloppy mess without a lot of participants. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. We're also still in California dealing with the pot shop crisis with many pot shops in California uh, owing millions and millions and millions of dollars in back taxes. We know about the auction that recently took place down in Southern California uh, where items were seized from the pot shop and they were op- you know, auctioned off to the highest bidder. didn't raise a lot of money, but it, it did something to offset the bills. So when you're looking at what is owed, specifically in SoCal, California says that the Los Angeles marijuana dispensaries are over $15 million behind in statewide taxes. And it doesn't look like the state is ever going to pick those up. They're just not paying them. And that number more than doubles when you're looking at the rest of the, you know, the pot shop dispensaries throughout California. Everybody who voted for this was touting, oh, the taxes are going to be such a windfall for the state of California because we're so broke. That was the whole premise is putting this on the uh, the ballot. It was It was going to provide so much money for the state of California that we desperately need. And at the same time, it was going to take the criminal element out of it. But now the criminal element is thriving because their prices are much better than the state prices on pot, and they're still not paying their taxes. So this whole thing has been a wash, and it probably needs to be done away with. I, 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 am, I don't have a problem with the legalization of pot. I have a problem with how this particular ballot measure was worded. 
And I said that from day one. Come back, give me something better that guarantees payment to the state with a guaranteed revenue chapter, a revenue line, and I'll, I'll be into it big time, but that didn't happen. And what you voted for was the wrong one. And it's a mess, and I think it's going to be putting a, you know, it's going to be putting a lot of pot shops out of business, and then what? You know, then what are you going to do? Well, you're going to buy it from the underground, which is what you're, you're doing anyway. Uh, interesting story about a man heading off to prison here in California for shooting a TikTok personality and his date in a California movie theater. What in the hell was that all about? And TikTok, of course, Chinese spyware. How does it relate to this case? Also, Adam Schiff, as governor, editorial piece I want to share with you. What will he do if indeed he becomes senator from California? What, what, what's he going to do? What's his, what's he going to go after? We'll talk about that and so much more today. I see we already have comments on the Trump golden slippers, don't we? The tennis shoes, stay there. 490-5858-800-776-5858. KMJ Ray Appleton will be right back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. If you sacrifice your dream for the sake of satisfying someone else, that can often lead to ongoing resentment, which then poisons a relationship subtly, slowly, but it does. And if he doesn't want to let you down, then your dreams matter. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? Reality remains reality no matter how hard you try to ignore it. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Every so often, and by every so often, I mean literally every 27 seconds when the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. We fire it off this morning with phone calls, and as I speak, the lines are even ringing. That's a good sign. It means you're alive. you got a pulse. Albert, you're on KMJ. You want to talk about the Golden Tannies? What's up? Yes, sir. How you doing? Good. Yeah, so uh, I just think it's hilarious. I mean, you want to talk about who's out of touch, you know, with this tennis shoe issue. I mean, they're, they're deciding for black people that that's what Donald Trump is doing. I haven't heard any black people say anything about that. It's hilarious to me. And, and you know, you, they're just angry. The guy goes out. Oh, he wants to make tennis shoes. They're angry that the guy can go out and do things like that. <laughs> and, and it's going to help him. I went, I went on eBay about three hours after those shoes were being sold. There was a pair on there auctioning off, and it was up to $35,000 for a pair of tennis shoes. So, you know, regardless of what they say, I mean, it, it works for him. Everything he touches is gold, and now including his tennis shoes. Literally. Thank you, Albert. Well spoken. And I, I, I think, and you're right there, as you're, you're looking at the left as maybe trying to stereotype black voters as really wanting these gold tennis shoes. Um, and But they're saying at the same time, to do a little CYA, that they believe that that's what conservatives are saying. That there are conservatives wringing their hands behind closed doors looking, oh, we got all the black voters because we have gold tennis shoes. Certainly. There may have been one or two people from both sides that said, hey, maybe this, this might appeal to somebody, you know, on the athletic demography and the African-American voter demography. Okay, fine. But to, you know, um, lay it out as that's the reason why the president, the former president, put those out there, it, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Tim, 
You're on KMJ. What's up? Hi, Ray. You mentioned the commercials against uh, Carvey. You know, that's the dumbest commercials I've ever seen because we exactly what we need is more conservative. I know. It's it's ridiculous. It, they're shooting themselves in the foot. It, it's crazy. That's one specifically that we talked about yesterday with Michael Dermanuel Jr., where an individual will look at this with a very jaundiced eye where they're saying, you know, too conservative for California. Well, how can you be too conservative for California when this is a, you know, a, a progressive cemetery with corpses laying all over the place of particular issues that are driving the state to its death? So, Jim, thank you. Uh, but, but I agree with you. That commercial, every time I see it, is like, wow, you're really providing a vehicle here to bring conservatives to the party and vote for Steve Garvey, even though the commercial is against Steve Garvey. He's too MAGA. You know, he'll bring the MAGA agenda to California. Well, what's wrong with making America great again through the state of California? Like I said the other day, yesterday, we've got this other side of it now, and they're the masses. Make America suck again. <laughs> and that doesn't work for me. So MAGA any day of the week. You know, that one commercial for the other Republican in the Senate race. He's too MAGA for California. I mean, where are they getting this stuff? And let's remember who came up with MAGA, Make America Great Again. Term one, campaign one, Barack Hussein Obama. That was his. Now, it's a bad thing because Donald Trump co-opted it for himself and turned it into something huge. And, and again, it's just make America great again. What's, what's wrong with that? I forgot to mention something that we're going to be doing soon here. Probably the biggest story of the day, and I blew it. Mitch McConnell has announced he's done with his leadership duties come November. I mean, it's about time. Thomas Del Picaro, obviously, the obvious choice to be talking about that at 1130, just out of the news. We'll spend a very brief time on that. But McConnell has said, yeah, I'm going to hang it up. McConnell has been, to his credit, one of those individuals who's been there for a long time, has always had a great handle on his votes. He knows where they are and where they aren't. He knows how to direct them to the floor to get them to vote for whatever he wants them to vote for, except in the last two outings, and we can talk about this with Tom, he kind of miscalculated. And this was the first time in recent memory that I can ascertain where uh, Mitch McConnell did not have a handle on his herd, so to speak. So we'll see. I mean, you know, who will replace him? What's going to happen? I think it's very good news for the Senate. Um, It looks like Trump is going to be president again. He and Mitch McConnell are not friends. We need, if if this is going to be Trump, we need somebody in the Senate, whether they're, you know, ruling the majority or a minority, that can get along with the president on the Republican side, um, that's important. And McConnell and Trump, you know, they don't hit it off. They don't get it. So we'll talk about that just out of news with Tom Del Picaro for a little bit. You know, Trump winning Michigan in the GOP primary brings him one big step closer to securing the, the nomination. But Nikki Haley is still there. Still there. This is a state that was being looked at with kind of a jaundiced eye for the Democratic vote in Joe Biden because of the largest Arab population in the country. The most Arab Americans live in Michigan. And their leadership is saying, you know, vote uncontested. 
Just don't don't vote for the man. Just don't do it. You know, vote Democratic, but don't put a name there. I guess that's for what it's worth. So Trump, I'm going to say, will likely secure the nomination next week after the Super Tuesday primary contest. Right. Uh, he's dominated Ohio. I mean, excuse me, Iowa. He, he, uh, New Hampshire was fine. Commanding victory there. Uh, in in the caucuses in uh, Nevada, what a sweep. Kaboom. Virgin Islands, the same. South Carolina, a bigger win than anybody anticipated in the home state of Nikki Haley. So he needs 1,215 votes to firmly secure the nomination. And Trump is, you know, points to his supporters now at the conclusion of a campaign rally, for example, at the Atkinson Country Club back in, in, in January of 2024, this is something that he predicted at the time he would win, and he named all of the areas where he was going to be strong and maybe where it might be a battle. And this, again, going back to January the 16th, he was correct. It's, it's just, which shows that Trump has really got a team that's doing their homework well this time, but it's rolling out exactly the way that he predicted it. But the, you know, Republican voters yesterday had their choice from Trump, the clear front runner. Uh, the former South Carolina governor, Nikki Haley, the only two GOP candidates left in the race. Nikki still remains, you know, and after all of the others who have dropped out, including um, Chris Christie and, and Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy and Asa Hutchinson, you know, Nikki is still there. And I think she's, you know, wants to pick up the bones of Donald Trump if indeed he fails and has to pull out because of the the reasons of the court cases or whatever. That's the only reason that I think she's staying in there. She wants to be that last man standing if the top man goes down. But that still doesn't mean she's going to be able to secure the nomination. But as it is, Trump is so close, and by next Tuesday, I'm sure it's going to be over for him, and he'll be able to walk in to the uh, the uh, um, nominating convention with a full house. A full house. And it's still being predicted by a number of those agencies that do predicting that Trump is going to be the first Republican in many, many years to win the popular vote as well. So if he wins the electoral vote, which he has to have, and the popular vote, that means the man has a mandate. A mandate. And giving him a mandate in what will only be his last term, he cannot go any farther after this, that means Katie barred the door, he's not going to be um, dancing political in any way, shape, or form to preserve his future. Because he has no future politically if he wins this particular race and does the one term that he's entitled to do. And then after that, so there. So that's good news for America. Good news for Trump. Because he'll just do it as he sees it without having to negotiate with the other side and not having to worry about, gee, what about the next time around? Will they vote for me or not? Because there ain't going to be no vote. So I say, put him in there. Give him the term. I probably wouldn't have said that a year ago. I had other things going on in my head. I thought maybe he'd worn out his welcome a little too much. He seems to have tamed his rhetoric. The campaign this time is much better than 2020. Oh, my God, is it better. Uh, Let him have it simply because that's the last four years we're going to see Donald Trump as a president. And with everything he did in that first term, from making us, you know, a net exporter of energy to to shutting down the border crisis, I mean, And still, he had to do that while juggling things politically to to gain a second term, which he didn't gain. But giving him a term here where there's no other term after that, whoo, he can do a lot, and he will do a lot. 
and he will do a lot to make sure that the the future is in better shape than it will be if indeed if it's Joe Biden with a second term. I don't even want to think about that. Makes my stomach just roll. Well, a man who turned 82 last week has made his decision that he's going to step down from a leadership role. Where? In the Senate, where Mitch McConnell has reigned the longest-serving Senate leader in the history of the country. And, you know, to his credit, I suppose he's maintained power in the face of all kinds of uh, dramatic convulsions in the Republican Party for almost a couple of decades here. He's stepping away from the leadership position. He'll still be there as a senator. As I mentioned, he turns 82, you know, next week. And I think this one's been coming for a while. Um, it's needed. And, and I mentioned, in my opinion, and then we'll get to our guest here, who's Thomas Del Picaro, um, that I think McConnell has always had a strong hand on his votes. He knows where they are. He knows where to go to get what he needs from his his voters in the Senate, those that back him. But in the last couple of rounds, he's kind of missed the target a little bit. And I think this was even apparent to him, and he's decided to pull the plug. So, without further ado, the man you know very well from this program and other duties, I mean, even acting on the big screen, an author, attorney, a former chair of the California Republican Party, you can probably recite this with me uh, by heart now. He's been on so many times. Tom Del Picaro joins us on this issue of uh, Mitch McConnell. And I, I mentioned, Tom, that you know McConnell and Trump have never been really thick. They're not close at all. Uh, and this is maybe McConnell's way of saying, okay, I kind of know who the next president's going to be. I'm going to kind of clear the door now so they can start with a, you know, a fresh set of shoes in the leadership position here in the Senate. Maybe, maybe not. But talk to me about McConnell, sir. Yeah, that's uh, uh, an interesting take of it. Uh, I, I do think, you know, remember he had the health issues where he froze up several times this year, right. which were, you know, just looks scary. Yeah. just as a matter of humanity, that's a, that's a scary thing. And stress doesn't help those kind of things. Uh, if Trump is the next president and there's a lot of reason to believe he could be, uh, then Trump is going to want to, uh, run a pressure game very early on because he's, he, can't run again and so whatever they need to do they need to do right away you're right he doesn't get along with mcconnell he not long ago uh said you know saying how mcconnell had to go he being trump uh but currently there's behind the scenes discussions about getting an endorsement uh maybe that falls apart and this is the other way to go about it but uh, McConnell doesn't have the fighting spirit that he used to have. Uh, a lot of 82 year olds don't. Uh, and he's served a long time, as you mentioned. Uh, he's not really the favorite of those who support Donald Trump. And so change is coming. Uh, I, I will say this, uh, there is a little doubt in my mind, and I know there's a lot of McConnell critics uh, listening to you and on Facebook. There's a little doubt in my mind that Mitch McConnell saved the Supreme Court by uh, not seating Merrill Garland. If oh, yeah. you remember during the end of the Obama administration, Merrill Garland, who has to be the worst attorney general, certainly in the top three of all time, 
Also, Merrick Garland is still carrying an axe. He's still carrying a grudge for that whole episode. That's very apparent, I think. Yeah. Uh, Mitch McConnell kept him from being on the Supreme Court. And Merrick Garland has proven that he is, you know, the kindest thing you can say about him is that he's a weather vane. And the prevailing (laughs) wind is is going in a particular direction. uh, And... He would have been a disastrous Supreme Court justice uh, because he wouldn't apply the law very much like Sotomayor, who sees herself as the social justice warrior, not a someone who sticks with the Constitution. So uh, this is a big deal uh, because if the Republicans get behind John Thune, who is his number two and has already endorsed Trump and they can get moving on an agenda. Uh, again, keep, you know, keep in mind, Trump is a duck the moment he takes uh, Office. the oath. So what happens with lame ducks is they have, you know, one year out of four to get stuff done because Immediately, people start running for president, and then you have the midterms, and things get stalled. That's just the nature of our system. I was just talking about that, Trump, with his term of four years, not being able to serve another term. Just before we went to the news, this is what I was speaking of. This could be very good news or very bad news, but I think it could be very good because there's nothing hanging over him that says, oh, i got to worry about my votes for the future. I can't really, you know, piss anybody off right now. I, I think he'll be like a bull in a china closet, and if he does it right, it, it could be a very good thing for the United States. So that's interesting that we both teed in on that. But if looking at, it, is Thune the guy, do you think that would be a suitable replacement and a good replacement for Mitch McConnell, in your opinion? Um, well, so... <laughs> First of all, I want to uh, say to uh, years ago, I was speaking to a huge uh, Tea Party event, and they were lambasting the Republican leaders. And I, it was my turn to get up and speak, and I asked everyone, please raise your hand if you purchased the poster of the greatest speakers of the House in history. And of course, everybody looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, yes, see, there is no such poster because that's not the position and neither is Senate leader on how to change the country or to make the biggest difference. The position that does that is the presidency. And uh, so... Senate leader slash uh, Speaker of the House can only do so much, especially in this divided era where majorities, you're not going to see 60 U.S. senators from one party very often such that you could push things through. So Mitch McConnell was very good as the minority. He understood parliamentary maneuvering. So when the Republicans were in the minority, he he did fairly well. He wasn't that good in the majority. So will John Thune, if that's who it is, be someone who can operate in the minority or majority 
in such a way to advance the agenda. Um, he's been around a long time. He's been he's watched Mitch McConnell, uh, and uh, so I, I would think Republicans have a ch- good chance to take the Senate this time around uh, if they set out an agenda. Uh, so. Yeah, I think he, I think he is good. Uh, uh, it won't keep in mind people like Ted Cruz don't want that position. Ted Cruz is going to run for president uh, next time around. No doubt. Uh, so you're not going to get an outspoken U.S. senator to take that position. I don't think so. Let me take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap this up with you. Tom Delbacaro is with us. Um, we're talking about this uh, recent announcement, very recent, from Mitch McConnell that come November. He's going to wind up his job in leadership, but will remain on the job as a senator for the remainder of that term. And what does that mean, if anything? Uh, We'll talk to Tom and you and more right after this uh, quick timeout on KMJ. Stay with us. Talking very quickly to Tom Delvacaro about the uh, end of the reign of power from Mitch McConnell, who will turn 82 soon, as he announced come November. He's uh, stepping away from leadership, but will remain to serve out his term. And I would imagine, Tom, that if he serves out his term, that's going to be the last one. I don't see him turning around and running again, do you? No, I, I, I don't. Um, you know, sometimes people do get older and they decide this isn't the best thing for them if only Joe Biden thought similarly. Or I'm sorry, if only Jill Biden thought similarly. <laughs> Clever. Clever. He'll still be, I would assume, kind of a a ruling ideological force in the Senate, but, you know, to what degree remains to be seen. Um, These people, when they break away from that, they never really truly break away. I mean, power is a very intoxicating thing. But uh, I think the timing is very good for him to do this. Um, You know, he comes from that whole Ronald Reagan era of how things were done, and I wish they still were done that way, but it doesn't seem to be fitting now in the days of a Joe Biden and a, and a Donald Trump and where we're going. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He, he has been around a long time. I think he will, uh, the, will help whoever's next with all of the parliamentary role of the, of the Senate. Uh, but, uh, you know, they do need, do need some youth before, before I lose you, if I, if I could, I would like to comment on Hunter Biden today. Do it. Saying that he didn't involve his father in his business. God. And I just have two comments. I did put them on Facebook. Um, I suppose it, it depends on what your definition of business is, as Bill Clinton <laughs> would say, or <laughs> Hunter Biden. <laughs> Did not I said I did not have business relations with that person. <laughs> okay. Joe Biden. I mean, what? What? An, and you know, this is a this was a a trap interview because there's nothing he could say to alleviate the truth of everything. He couldn't. There wasn't some magic thing he would say. He could only dig the hole deeper by lying and deny and that's what he did today he he you know in the face of checks and all of these things and phone calls and meetings 
you know, the Democrats stick to, well, there's no proof Biden profited from this. But there is court cases that say if your family profits and you're the politician, that's enough. And there's the Democrats cannot say, oh, yeah, so his niece got money for doing nothing. But that's okay, right? Yeah. No, things are worse. And uh, and they're going to continue to get worse for these guys as this uh, information uh, continues to come out. If I may, because you brought it up, the FBI informant named Smirnoff, who has, you know, said that he, you know, he's being said that he told a lot of lies about Hunter and his father accepting money from the Russians and Burisma and the Ukrainians and all that stuff. And a lot of the Democrats putting a rubber stamp on that saying, okay, well, there it is. The whole thing has been, you know, invented. Uh, this guy lied about it. He's tied to, you know, highly to Russian intelligence. He's a bad guy. Put it to sleep. This is over. You know, there's so much more than just Smirnoff and doing whatever it was that he did. Give me your your opinion on this guy and what that's all about, if you can. Sure. I mean, the reality is that uh, he said some inaccurate things. He said some accurate things. He was an FBI informant for 15 years. And this is partial cover coming out of the DOJ for uh, uh, to try and help Biden because what's happening to Hunter is so bad. But the, whether he he said that he made five million or three or ten doesn't matter anymore because they have the checks. Exactly. <laughs> so for Dan Goldman, who's got to be the most dishonest attorney in America, and wow, what a crown that is, uh, <laughs> to say that this is all uh, now proof that it was all a bunch of lies is, is insane because you can see the checks. By the way, my friend Peter Schweitzer's book's out, uh, Blood Money. Uh, you can get a Kindle and everywhere else. Uh, if you want a book that discloses uh, the, an, an immense amount related to the Bidens, it's called Blood Money, Peter Schweizer's S-C-H-W-E-I-Z-E-R. Dynamite. I wish you well. Thank you for joining us. Anything right. you'd like to add? But uh, I think we've taken a good look at it. Uh, yeah, my book comes out July 30th, The Lessons of the American Civilization. I should have, uh, we're designing the book cover now. I should have uh, one by the end of, I think, March for everyone to see. Yeah, we're going to have to put a book signing together for you two here, too. That that goes without saying. So I will work okay, on that for you. coming? Is Jimmy Page coming? Is Jimmy Page <laughs> You want him to? Yeah, we're on a first-name basis. I'll give him a ring and tell him to fly over. <laughs> All right, you the, you the man. All, All right, right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Tom DelVicaro on KMJ. Always, you know, something. Gotta He's got to move that music thing into whatever it is we're talking about. I'll never forget the night I took him to the uh, Save Mart Center to see the Scorpions. He loves the Scorpions. And lo and behold, we got to meet the scorpions and hang out with the scorpions and got our picture taken with the scorpions. And he was just like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> it was a fun night. A great night, too. They were great. Good show. Hour number two of the Ray Appleton program, now in its 37th year, coming up on KMJ, KMJNow.com, and wherever you stream. 
Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. <laughs> I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen.